0: Welcome to the podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta, where we are committed to changing lives with faith, hope, and love. We're so glad you are here. Our second reading is from the New Testament book of Acts, chapter 8, verses 26 to 40. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Kandase, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home. Seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, (coughs) Go over to this chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you understand what you are reading? He replied, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb silent before its shearer. So he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, about whom, may I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip began to speak. And starting with this scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop, and both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he was passing through the region, he proclaimed the good news to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. The word of the Lord thanks be to God. Summer is almost here. In a few weeks, the schools will be out, and many of us will be off for our first real vacation in over a year. Some of you may travel by airplane. Some will stay in comfortable hotels. I'm a fan of the hotel Vacation, and I'll tell you why. When I was in middle school, my parents decided it would be fun if we camped our way across the country. When you're 12 and you're trying to do your hair in a campground bathroom, fun might be an overstatement, but it was okay, it was good bonding time. Everything went fine until we hit Western Texas, which if you've ever been to Texas, you know everything west of Abilene just turns brown. So for days, we saw nothing but desert. Desert in the morning, desert at lunch, desert in the afternoon, and desert all around our campsite at night. Now, when you take a minivan through the desert in in the middle of summer, towing a camper and all your stuff, sometimes, not always, but sometimes the transmission dies. And there's nothing in the wilderness. There's no water, there's barely any life. There's certainly no auto mechanics. In an emergency, the wilderness is not the place you want to be. Some of those desert highways, you've been on them, you can drive for hours and never see another car. The gas stations are miles and miles apart. There are actually signs that warn you how far away the next gas station is. If you run out of gas, I think that's where the horror movies come from. The wilderness is a place of death. And in Acts chapter eight, we learn that Philip has been called to the wilderness. So who is Philip? Well, you might be thinking he's one of the 12 apostles of Jesus. You'd be wrong. Uh, There is a Philip in the gospel stories, but not this Philip. This Philip is a deacon in the early church. Later on, he'll be known as Philip the evangelist. And you're about to find out why. After Easter, after that first Easter, the church begins to grow. It grows and it grows. And it's doing really well. The 12 apostles are so busy, they commissioned seven deacons to care for the congregation. Now, the back story here is that there were Hebrew widows and Greek widows, and the Greek widows complained they weren't getting as much food rations as the Hebrew widows. And the 12 apostles, who had decided they were to devote their time to prayer, Uh, wanted a little help arbitrating this, so they commissioned seven deacons to care for this congregation. If you're a deacon, then you know that sometimes your job is to serve meals. Sometimes your job is to greet people or usher them in. Sometimes your job may feel thankless, but it's important, it's important for the health of the congregation. Now, one of those deacons is Philip. Another of the deacons is Stephen. And you might remember Stephen's name. He doesn't just care for the congregation uh, by serving meals. He shares his faith everywhere he goes. And he speaks so boldly that he's put to death for it. His death opens a floodgate of persecution against the early church. Not the death of an apostle, the death of a deacon. He is the first to follow Jesus to the grave, and beyond. But as quickly as the church grew, now the church begins to die out. Women and men are being pulled from their homes and imprisoned. The disciples have scattered, and everything seems to be falling apart. The church may not even survive a decade after Jesus' death. The future is not looking bright. One of the disciples that scatters is Philip, the deacon. Philip winds up in Samaria with the Samaritans. Now, we know how the folks in Judea felt about Samaritans, and it's not good. Remember, Jesus tells the story of the good Samaritan. The joke is that there are no good Samaritans. So like it or not, Philip is stuck in Samaria. He could have stayed in his room grumbling about his poor luck. He could have decided it's fruitless to share the gospel with these people, But instead, he goes out and he does what he's been doing all along. He tells people about Jesus. And the Samaritans believe. Philip is so successful at evangelizing Samaria that God decides to relocate him, and God has somewhere even worse in mind. God leads Philip into the wilderness. Now, remember, the wilderness is a place of death. It's a place you want to avoid. It's not the place you want to set up your church plant. You don't have to read a Barna Group article to know that if you're starting a new church, you look for three things, location, location, location. You want to be far enough away from other churches that you're differentiated. You want to be in a visible area, preferably on a corner with a lot of traffic. And you want to be in a neighborhood whose vibe matches yours. The place you don't want to be is in the wilderness. But that's where God calls Philip to a fancy chariot on a dusty road. And in that chariot, what does Philip find? Well, again, If you're planting a church, you you might have a certain demographic in mind. You might hope for a newlywed couple starting their life together, or a young family looking for a church home, or or maybe a well-connected Judean whose network could be beneficial to the Jerusalem church. But Philip doesn't find any of these folks. Philip finds an Ethiopian eunuch. If you're wondering what a eunuch is, you're not alone. I taught this lesson to a youth group once, and someone raised her hand and said, can you explain this word? And I thought, this is going to be awkward. Uh, <laughs> a eunuch is a person born biologically male, but who does not mature as a man. So this could be from, something from birth, or it could be by force. And in this case, we think it was by force. So you can imagine the, the, the trauma, just physical, emotional, social trauma of that. Eunuchs cannot have children. They are unlikely to marry. They do not fit into social norms. We don't use the word eunuch anymore, though. We have other words to describe varieties of gender and sexuality. But all our words, our acronyms, are just new names for people who have been with us a long, long time. When this unit goes to worship, who does he sit with? He has no family. At Bible study, his friends might talk about their kids, but he has no stories to share. He could join the choir, but he'd be singing with the ladies. He's different. We're in the midst of overhauling the church website and we're deciding what pictures to use. This is a really important question. The pictures we use will tell the world who is and isn't welcome in our congregation, whose voices are valued and whose voices are not valued. Church websites are often filled with smiling faces of cute children and wholesome looking families. We don't see a lot of photos of the sick, the grieving, The disabled, the lonely, the frail. There aren't a lot of photos of Ethiopian eunuchs on on the cool church websites. He's not really a poster child for fruitful church growth, but maybe he should be. See, the wilderness is a terrible place to plant church. It's a terrible place to be baptized. There is no water in the wilderness. But the eunuch finds water. And Philip, despite all odds, does plant a church, or maybe we should say God plants a church through Philip. Today, this unnamed eunuch is honored as the first Christian convert from Ethiopia. And the church in Ethiopia grew rapidly at this time. By the time the Catholic church finally coalesced in the north, the Ethiopian church has long been thriving. See, when we see the wilderness, we see a place of death. But from that dust, our God brings forth life. You don't have to be a eunuch to be left out to be cut off. Maybe you're cut off by divorce or estrangement. Maybe you're cut off by deep, unyielding grief. Maybe you're cut off by physical challenges. Maybe your lungs are failing, your heart or your knees aren't working like they used to. Maybe you broke your ankle. It's harder to get around. Maybe you're coping with mental health, burnout, anxiety, addiction, isolation. Maybe you just feel like you don't fit anywhere. Or maybe you've pretended you're okay for so long that you've almost forgotten you're not. There are a lot of ways we can be cut off. The good news is that no matter how cut off we may feel, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And here in this place, We believe we are called, like Philip, to make space and to restore those who have been left out. This congregation does make space. I've missed seeing Bud Tufts. He used to sit in the front every Sunday morning. His family lived out of town, but he never lacked for a family here. He never sat alone because Helen And Harris Hines always saved him a seat right next to them, next to their family. Last fall, we had a visitor wander in on Stewardship Sunday, a local college student looking for a church home. Pim and Lucy Cooley found out about this, and they invited him to sit with them at lunch. You know how hard it is to walk into a church with no family, no friends, nowhere to go and find out there's a big lunch, you should come, and then you're like, I don't, have, I don't have a chair to sit in, in the parking lot. Pim and Lucy made space for him, and that's no small thing. Some of the families in this church invite those who are alone to celebrate the holidays with them. Others make a point to send cards, letting folks know they are known and seen and loved. Still, others bear with each other week after week, practicing patience and exercising forgiveness at every step. Because being part of a family isn't always fun, it's hard work. And this congregation makes space even for that. I hope we continue to make space. I believe God's love is deeper and more expansive than we can imagine and I think Philip believes this too because Philip didn't bail out in Samaria and he doesn't bail out in the wilderness. Philip will not be the arbiter of who God can or cannot love or who God can or cannot save or even who God can or cannot speak through. For Philip, Jesus' death is enough it's enough for every body no matter what form that body comes in the early church doesn't follow the best church planning advice it doesn't grow the right way you know god doesn't always work like we expect him to the church spreads south to ethiopia and then East, all the way across Asia Minor, every persecution weakens the center and pushes the gospel further and further out. The church grows not because of the insiders, but because of the outsiders, because of the people on the back row or at the edge of the crowd living on the margins, finding hope and acceptance and grace and redemption in Jesus. And that news is so astonishingly good that they can't help but share it. So yes, the minivan's transmission broke in the middle of the desert. There was smoke pouring from the hood when we finally coasted into the parking lot. We were worried. My dad seemed a little bit unconcerned. The nearby hotel didn't take my mom's coupons, the ones that she had picked up at the welcome center at the state line, but that didn't really matter because we were stuck. We weren't going anywhere. Stopping in the middle of the desert wasn't on our itinerary. We could have stayed in our hotel room, we were glad we even found one, grumbling about our poor luck, And we might have stayed in, except at some point, we finally realized where we had landed. Our transmission had the good taste to break in Palm Springs, California. (laughs) Palm Springs, California is a famous celebrity getaway, and in walking down those lush tree-lined streets, the purple mountains rising in the distance, you can completely forget you are in the middle of a desert. We got to walk the same streets as Frank Sinatra and Walt Disney and Liberace, Shirley Temple, Dean Martin, and so many others. We toured celebrity homes. We had a blast. Maybe God led us there, or maybe it was the AAA map. I don't know. Either way, the day was a reminder for all of us that when we think all hope is lost, if we continue to trust God, to grow where we are planted, to make space for whoever, whatever comes along. If we stay open, we just might find life, and not just life, but joy in the wilderness. And when we do, we will leave that place of death, giving thanks and praise. Amen. This podcast is a ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta. Come join us Sundays at 189 Church Street, Marietta, Georgia, or visit us online at fpcmarietta.org.